again, everyone. Welcome to episode 27 of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. My name is Brian DiNovellis, and here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Two weeks left in the college basketball regular season. UConn and Seton Hall have solid resumes for the NCAA tournament. Most projections have UConn as a five or six seed. Seton Hall around an eight or nine seed. Most have Rutgers and St. John's out, but at least one bracketologist, Brad Wachtel, has Rutgers, one of his last four in. Big, big couple of weeks for Rutgers and St. John's. I'm not going to call them all must-wins, but you got to win three out of four at least to have a chance going into their conference tournaments. Meanwhile, in case you haven't noticed, over in the Ivy League, things couldn't be any closer. Princeton and Yale are tied atop the standings at 9-2 and two after Princeton just won at Yale on Saturday. Those two teams have split the regular season games, each winning on the road. Don't be surprised if they finish 1-2 in the regular season and they end up meeting in the Ivy League championship game. And hey, in the MAC, Iona closing in on a regular season title as St. Peter's, Monmouth, and Siena are battling for second, third, and fourth. Those teams will meet this week. So somehow at the end of this week, the MAC should take closer shape and we will have a clearer picture of the seedings there. Plenty of opportunities ahead for all those teams to boost their resumes over the next couple of weeks and jockey for seedings in their conference tournaments. Rutgers and St. John's in particular, their stock is rising, but they still need some more wins. They still have unfinished business. Meanwhile, the matchup of the week taking place in Hartford, Connecticut, as 21st ranked UConn hosts number eight Villanova at the XL Center. Here to talk about that matchup and the Big East season is David Borges, who's been covering Husky hoops for the last 15 years for the New Haven Register and the Hearst Connecticut Media. David, thanks for coming on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. How's it going in Husky land? Going pretty well, Brian. Going very well. Covering UConn basketball, for those who don't know, is unlike any other really team in the Tri-State area uh, or certainly in the country. You know, it's a horde of media that, that covers this team. And David's been right there in the thick of it for the past 15 years. David, what's the pulse right now as UConn gets ready for that rematch against Villanova on Tuesday at the XL Center? Well, you know, we just met with Dan Hurley on, on uh, Monday afternoon following the practice. And he is as confident right now in his team as he's been all year. He says they feel as, they're, they feel as good as they have all season. They feel a lot better going into this game than they did against Villanova the, a couple of weeks ago in, in which they were coming in, going to that game, coming off a home loss to Creighton. Um, they're playing much better defensively. Uh, it feels like a couple of guys are starting to get going a little bit. Certainly their big three of RJ Cole, Dama Sinogo, and Therese Martin have been pretty consistent all year. Um, but they feel like if they can get a couple of guys uh, shooting a little bit better, a, a Tyler Polly or a Jordan Hawkins, um, and uh, more consistent play for the big three. And then, of course, a guy like Isaiah Whaley. They feel pretty good about themselves going into, this, going into the Villanova game. No question about it. It's a different Villanova team, though. Let, let's face it. I mean, Villanova controlled most of that game before Colin Gillespie sat out the last six and a half minutes or so with an ankle injury. And they didn't have Justin Moore. 
So who's arguably their best player and certainly their best NBA prospect. So I know UConn's playing well. They're at home. It's the Civic Center. It's a different building. You know, I guess until you beat Villanova, until you knock them off, David, they're still the team to beat, whether you're playing them at home or or in Philadelphia. Oh, no, I agree. I mean, you know, Dan Hurley's 0-4 against Jay Wright since he came to UConn. Now, the first couple of teams really weren't um, terribly competitive, although the second game, actually, they did give Villanova a pretty good run. Um, but he's yet to beat Villanova since he got here, um, whether it's been conference or non-conference games. And, um, yeah, Villanova's the king of the Big East still, uh, even though Providence, they're right now in second place behind Providence. But we saw what they did at Providence last week. I mean, they just went in. They, they, they don't make mistakes. They, they don't kill themselves. They make free throws. They make clutch shots. Colin Gillespie is incredible. Um, yeah, I think when you look at the fact it is a home game for UConn, going to be a stellar crowd at XL Center, which despite its limitations uh, compared to the Gamble Pavilion, when, when that place is sold out for a big game, XL Center is very, very loud. Don't let anyone tell you differently. And um, uh, I think, you know, and, and then what hurt UConn last time around was it was early foul trouble. Adama Sinogo and Isaiah Whaley each picked up two quick fouls, which kind of helped allow Eric Dixon to really dominate down low for much of the game, certainly the first half when both those guys were sitting. So I think UConn wants, obviously needs to avoid the early foul trouble. And, um, you know, I think they know a lot of things they need to do better than they did that first time around. But you're right, Justin Moore, it's healthy now. It's a big X factor. So it's going to be very difficult for UConn. Yeah. No, you brought up a good point about foul trouble. Eric Dixon had one of his best all around games, if not his best, 24 points, 12 rebounds. I, I think it's safe to say Adama Sinogo, who for my money is the best big man in the big East, uh, will be more prepared this time uh, to deal with Dixon. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and Sinogo had foul trouble um, a game or two after that at Xavier, a game that UConn lost. He picked up his second foul midway through the first half, sat the rest of the way. Xavier took advantage and uh, ended up winning the game. Uh, Adam was very limited throughout both those games, not only with the two early fouls, but just playing somewhat tentatively in the second half as well. Um, yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think Adama, I mean, I, I'm one of the voters for the Jabbar Award, and I had Adama as one of my top final 10, and he did make the final 10 list a couple weeks ago. Uh, got to whittle down to five now, and that's a tough list to be on because there's a lot of good big men in the country this year. But I do agree that Adama, you know, Nate Watson of Providence, I think would give him a run for his money, but he's been a little bit, um, uh, certainly statistically, he's been a little bit down this year. So I'm not going to the best big man in the Big East, but Eric Dixon was the best, by far the best big man in the game that they played on February 5th. Excellent point. So is UConn healthy? I know a cook a cook has, uh, you know, is probably out for this game. But are they, and they're a little dinged up. Is is everyone available? Oh, yeah, everyone's going to be available except probably a cook. I mean, they're saying possible game time decision. I see no way a cook plays tomorrow. Um, yeah, they've got some dings and scratches. Isaiah Whaley missed the practice um, this week with a little stomach bug. Um, RJ Cole's been dealing with a hip uh, hip soreness. And, and uh, Tyrese Martin was described as a double... Um, Double ankle sprain, so I guess both ankles or something like that. I, okay. I forget exactly how uh, Hurley described it at practice today, but but he says all, all those guys, with the exception of probably a cook, are good to go um, on Tuesday night. So what are your keys for UConn to beat Villanova? Obviously, they're going to have the home crowd behind them. You said it's a sellout. I've been in that building. It can get as loud as, as any place, and you know they're going to be amped up for, for Villanova because it's Villanova. What are your keys for UConn? Well, again, Adama Sinogo really needs to stay out of foul trouble. He needs to be smart. He needs to stay in the game. 
Um, they need a big performance from him. They need guys and in, 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 in helping, something that helps Adama um, be even more uh, productive is when guys are hitting from the outside. When Tyler Polly or, or Jordan Hawkins or, or Tyrese Martin or an RJ Cole are, are hitting three pointers or, or hitting from the outside, that opens things up inside for Sonogo. Um, so that's a big thing. But when a guy like Polly or Hawkins, those are the kind of the two three-point gunners that they really rely on. They've been very streaky this year. But when those guys, one, one or two or both of those guys are hot, UConn is a much better team. Um, we certainly saw that the other night with the win, the home win over Xavier, uh, where Polly didn't miss a shot from the floor, hit three three-pointers and scored 16 points on just four field goal attempts. Um, so, uh, yeah, he um, that's a big key there. And then, and then just not, you know, limiting the turnovers, limiting the mistakes, because you know Villanova's not going to make the mistakes, and you know they're going to hit their free throws. So it would be nice to for UConn to get a little bit of a cushion maybe earlier, certainly have a cushion in the second half, so they don't have to worry about, you know, Villanova getting to the line and making all their free throws like they so often do. Yeah, Dan Hurley said, uh, you know, Villanova's not going to lose the game. We have to win the game, meaning, you know, they don't make mistakes. They don't shoot themselves in the foot with turnovers. They also shoot the three as well as anyone in the country. So um, maybe UConn's length can give them a little trouble this time around. Well, you'd think so. Certainly UConn is the, is the bigger, more athletic team. Um, but then, you know, you, you, you watch the game back on February 5th and, and Colin Gillespie's posting up uh, Andre Jackson, who's a six foot six long and incredible athletic player. And Gillespie's head faking him and pump faking him and, and scoring inside on him. It, the guy defies logic, but he gets it done. You know what's coming, but he still is so productive and so good and so clutch. And you saw what he did against Providence with 33 points, and so many big three-pointers. So he kills you from everywhere. They're such a good team, but by the same token, they've lost six games this year. <laughs> they're not, they lost to Marquette twice. You know, they're not invincible by any stretch. I didn't think this is one of their sort of uh, uh, vintage teams coming into this season. Now, it turns out they're certainly a national championship contender, no question, but um, they're certainly beatable. Sure. And and listen, we know UConn has looked to this game since the summer. Uh, they've been talking about Villanova and matching up against them since Big East Media Day in October. Now it's here. Oddly enough, it's at the Hartford Civic Center, though, David. Uh, well, I say the Hartford Civic Center because I grew up there, the XL Center. And guys like Hurley, Gina Oriema, they've been pretty vocal and outspoken against playing there. You know, it's 25 miles away from campus. It's not the same as that on-campus feel. Um, what's your gut feeling? Could this be the last game that they play in Hartford uh, since the lease is up at the end of the year? No, no. They're, they're going to continue to play at the XL Center. Um, whether there's fewer games they play there, um, it, it, I just don't see that ending anytime soon. Um, unless... I mean, you know, certain, obviously there's, there could be circumstances where, you know, the, the XL Center just becomes unusable anymore. I, I, I don't see it. I don't see it happening. Again, they may try to try to um, play more games at Gample, um, schedule things so that more bigger games are at Gample. There's a lot of things that could be done, but I don't foresee in the near future um, UConn abandoning games at the XL Center just for, for a lot of different reasons. And, and, and uh, the, the coaches and the players may not agree with them. Some of the, a lot of the fans may not agree with them, but uh, it's, it's not going to end anytime soon. David, you grew up in Rhode Island. You know New England through and through. 
you've followed UConn basketball and you've written for UConn basketball for the past 15 years. So for you, what is it like to be back in the Big East covering meaningful games against Villanova, Seton Hall, Creighton, St. John's in February and March and not living in AAC purgatory, going to Tulsa or South Florida or Central Florida? What is it like being around these games again? Yeah, you know, look, I grew up in Rhode Island, a Providence fan. I, I am, I've, the Big East has been my thing all my, my entire life. I've loved the Big East. Um, certainly Villanova, more than any team in the Big East currently, is, is a huge attraction. Uh, they're, they're an original Big East team. They're one of the best, they've been one of the best programs in the country for the past eight, 10 years. Um, so yeah, it, you know, you get Providence coming in. It never was really considered a rivalry maybe by UConn fans now, but it seems to be, I love the fact that it's become a rivalry. Eaton Hall, St. John's, Georgetown, even though some of those programs aren't doing very well. By the same token, it's, it's, it's just not the same. I mean, we both know that, right? It's right. no more Syracuse, no more Pitt, no more Louisville. Um, and, and certainly Creighton and, and Xavier and, and Butler are good programs, but they don't have the same buzz. And, and from a pure basketball standpoint, look, the AAC, you're right. Some of those teams, nobody wanted to go see them play. But personally, I enjoyed seeing Houston play because they were a damn good program. Sure. sure. Wichita State had some good teams. SMU had some good teams. But it's nostalgia and it's the Big East and it's where UConn belongs. Certainly was the right decision. I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, so yeah, the fans, the fans love being back there and, and it's where they, where they wanted to be. They're happy about it and certainly excited about Villanova on Tuesday, because again, that's the, that's kind of the pinnacle uh, opponent right now for UConn. Yeah. But look, they're also battling Creighton for third place, right? UConn trying to, they, there's an outside chance that they can get to second, uh, with Villanova if they beat them, but third place might be more likely. They have them down the line. So a lot of big games ahead, David. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned that um, Dan Hurley hasn't beaten Jay Wright yet. Well, he also hasn't beaten Greg McDermott. They, they, they lost Creighton three times last season, and they lost to him at home this year. That He's owned their own four against Creighton since returning to the Big East. They go out there on March 2nd in Omaha. I've never been there. I'm excited to see what it's like out there. I'll cross off another uh, another <laughs> state off my um, – you know, my travel list, it's one of the few that I haven't been to, but um, I'm sure it'll be a good atmosphere. They have good fans out there. Yeah, no, uh, right now, UConn, UConn cannot win the uh, regular season title. They've been mathematically eliminated from that. Um, but they can still finish in second if they beat Villanova and some other things go their way. More likely, they'll finish in third or fourth. Um, they're kind of battling with Creighton for that right now. And uh, the biggest thing with that is, besides, obviously, NCAA tournament seeding, also, Big East tournament seating. Uh, if the third place team it plays at 9:30 on Thursday, so um, I'm almost <laughs> hoping that they don't finish the third for that reason. But but uh, I have the feeling they will end up being the number three team in the league. Ah, that that game's been known to get over at midnight sometimes, David. That that's not good for your deadline. Trust me. Uh, how about more like try like two in the morning when the Syracuse and UConn played six overtimes <laughs> and the game started late that night. So. Uh, yeah, we got out of there about 2.30 in the morning that night. How could I forget? Morning. How could I forget? So so do you have any picks right now? Who would be your, right now, on February 21st, who would be your picks for uh, Big East first team? And also, do you have a player of the year in mind? I think that um, Colin Gillespie more or less wrapped up Big East player of the year with his performance against Providence. 
Um, he's one of the leading scorers in the league, but that's not even that important because he, he did actually a couple of games. He only scored a few points because he was not playing because he was injured. He still played, but he was banged up. Excuse me. But it's not even so much about the stats, which for him, which are very good. I think he's the leading free throw shooter in the league. Um, it's just his leadership and his, his, his just he's such a killer out there. He's such a he's a champion. He's, he's, he's he won a championship in 2018. Um, he was the preseason pick by the coaches, so I'm guessing that he's going to be the postseason, so to speak, pick by the coaches as well, and deservedly so. Um, you know, certain other things can happen over the next couple of weeks, but to me, he's the player of the year. Um, first team all Big East is interesting. You know. I'm going to say six names because that's what the league does because they include the player of the year as one and five others. So I'm going to say Gillespie. I'm going to say Justin Moore because I think Villanova will be one of the either the first or second place team in the league most likely. Um, I think now with between RJ Cole and Adama Sinogo, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, I've kind of championed Sinogo most of the year. I think he's the team's best player, but boy, Cole, <laughs> he's come up so big. He might be the most valuable player. Um, I guess I'll right now I'll still side with Sonogo. Um, I think Providence, if they win the league or finish second, has to have somebody on there. I'd probably go with the kid Bynum, um, who's been just on fire lately, maybe over Nate Watson. Um, probably Julian Champagny from St. John's, who's going to probably lead the league in scoring. And um, who am I? Oh, the kid Justin Lewis from Marquette, yes. I would think yes. would be the other guy. Um, you know, uh, I think he's even a player of the year candidate. Um, Right now, those would be my guys. Things could change in the next couple of weeks, depending on if uh, any teams make a sort of a surprise run or not. I, I I don't have any questions about any of those, David. I I think you picked six of the favorites right there, and I would agree with you about Sonogo over Cole. Uh, but Cole, he he's the straw that stirs the drink. I mean, Jalen Gaffney's. Um, I, I saw your tweet today, the interview with Jalen Gaffney, and his confidence just. He admits, right? He's admitting that his confidence isn't there and he's struggling with playing time. Uh, so if RJ Cole gets into foul trouble like he did against Seton Hall or another game, can you rely on Jalen Gaffney? I don't I don't think you can. So that's the importance of RJ Cole for this team. No doubt about it. I mean, I, I thought Jalen was very accountable um, today. I was really impressed by him. Um, being very stand up and, and admitting he's had a tough year, which everyone sees. Um, I, I get the feeling we haven't seen the last of him. And I get the feeling there's still some good basketball from him to be played this year. I think he, you know, he showed flashes last year, late in the season. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not about to give up on him, but by the same token, you're right. You know, Dan Hurley was really counting on him as sort of being, um, being RJ's sort of either backup point or just his running mate, even in the backcourt. Um, this year and, and RJ really hasn't got a lot of help in the backcourt this season. And it's hard for the kid RJ to do it all himself. He's not a big guy. Um, he, he gets beat up. He's like I said before, he's dealing with a hip injury right now. Uh, he, he's done it, but you almost wonder how much more he can carry the, carry the backcourt for this team. Um, so Jalen's going to step up and um, you know, it seems like he has the right attitude and, 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 and he just may well do that at some point over these next few weeks. Like you said, I, I admire him uh, for answering a tough question and answering it honestly. Were you surprised by his answer? Um, not really. I mean, I, you know, I don't think, again, we're dealing with 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids here, but um, I don't think he could have, if he had answered anything differently, people wouldn't have 
would have been to believe him. I mean, everyone knows he struggled. You look at his stats, you just look at some of the games he's had, he just really hasn't been there. Um, so he was honest, he was open about it, which I think is probably, uh, I think it's probably good for him, you know, to, to do that and um, get it out, get it off his chest maybe. And, um, but no, I don't think it really surprised me that much. He's a good kid and uh, you, kind, you kind of root for a kid like that to, um, you know, uh, start playing a little better. Most definitely. Last question for you, David, right now. And I know it's tough to say this because there's so many big games left, but if all the teams are healthy, who's the one team that you think will win the big East tournament? Yeah, that's, that's, it's so, that's such a tough question because I mean, you can't tell me that a Marquette or a Creighton or a Xavier couldn't make a run if, um, would that shock me if any of those teams didn't know? Um, I mean, geez, Georgetown did it last year. Right. Now, I can pretty much guarantee Georgetown's not going to do that this year. <laughs> <laughs> yet to right. So we can both agree on that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I, I do think UConn is like, UConn's got as good a chance as anybody, put it that way. Um, I think the two favorites, I might, I might lean towards UConn and Villanova, sort of the two favorites with Creighton. And Providence. Providence deserves to be. I think Providence, um, this sounds so cliche. It's almost like I think, you know, they almost need to get a loss or two out of their system. Um, they've been sort of, you know, it's been an incredible year. Um, but I wonder if they go into that Big East tournament, at, you know, 26 and three or whatever. Um, I don't know. It just seems like they're primed to, to lose a game or two somewhere down the line. But that's just uh, maybe a little old school thinking. I would say, um, Without question, uh, UConn and Villanova, to me, I wouldn't be shocked to see those two playing in the, in the finals uh, in a couple of weeks at the Madison Square Garden. Um, and I'd certainly say Providence and Creighton. And who am I forgetting? Am I forgetting a team? I mean, look, you could, you could throw Seton Marquette. Hall. There. You could throw St. John's Seton in Hall, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, you know what? Seton Hall's got a lot of talent. Um, they've had injuries. Uh, they've had the, the point guard Aiken. He's been out, and it uh, sounds like he's probably not coming back. Too bad for them. Seton Hall's got a lot of talent. That's a, boy, that's another team that you never – they could certainly make a run. But, uh, yeah, I'll just say I'll just say uh, Villanova and UConn are, are going to be my two kind of favorites right now. It, it's so tough, isn't it? I mean, you just named eight teams. <laughs> you, you literally named the top eight teams, and it wouldn't surprise me or anyone if any one of those eight teams emerged in the final or won it. And I can see UConn getting bounced in the first – in their first game. I could see Villanova getting bounced in their first game, like what happened last year. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really, it's going to be really fun and crazy at the Garden. No question, no question. Well, I, I hope you don't stay up till two a.m. Whatever game you're covering, and you know, uh, nobody likes that. The fans may like it, but I know the writers. Uh, it's not fun. Yeah, well, that's what the internet's for now. You know, print, print, print deadlines are a thing of the past. It's all about getting it online. But yeah, six overtimes. You know. Let's keep it to no more than maybe three or four at the most. Oh, <laughs> I'd sign up for that. All right, David Borges, great stuff. I appreciate you coming on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. We will catch you on Twitter and also your articles for the New Haven Register and the Hearst Connecticut Group. Thanks for coming on. All right, Brian, thanks for having me. It's fun. All right, David Borges, no one does a better job covering UConn men's basketball. UConn and Nova. Going to be an old-fashioned Big East brawl Tuesday night at a sold-out XL Center. Man, I grew up 
watching many games in the old Hartford Civic Center and and there will be some buzz in that old building. Trust me. Hey, it's also a big week for Seton Hall. The Pirates in a must-win game. You have to take care of your home games. They faced Butler on Wednesday at home. Then they traveled to Xavier on Saturday. Funny how the Big East schedule works, right? The Pirates are in a three-way tie for sixth place with Xavier and St. John's. Meanwhile, the Johnnies will host Creighton on Wednesday night. They'll visit DePaul on Sunday. We have games upon games this week in the Big East Conference. Big East College Basketball in February and March. For my money, it doesn't get any better than that unless you're talking about the NCAA tournament. Enjoy the games, everyone. I'm Brian DiNovellis. Thanks for listening to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. So long.